I mean, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is like, this is why children do not have magic. Because imagine a food fight where you animate the food in the cafeteria. I don't even know how that would work. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, it would be like if you animate a bunch of hot dogs, it would be 1d4 bludgeoning damage. <laughs> <laughs> If you had spaghetti, would each noodle count as a tiny object? I guess you could. I mean, it depends. <laughs> oh my gosh. Welcome to Arcane Explained, the podcast where we cover every Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition spell alphabetically. Today we are talking about animate objects. My name is Matt. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lewis. Together we are going to break down this 5th level transmutation spell. Kirsten, would you like to read this week's spell for us? I would love to. So today we're talking about animate objects. It's a 5th level transmutation spell that the bards, sorcerers, and wizards spell lists get. The casting time is one action, the range is 120 feet, the components are verbal and somatic, and the duration is concentration up to one minute. According to this spell, objects come to life at your command. Choose up to 10 non-magical objects within range that are not being worn or carried. Medium targets count as two objects, large targets count as four objects, huge targets count as eight objects. You can't animate any object larger than huge. Each target animates and becomes a creature under your control until the spell ends or until reduced to zero hit points. As a bonus action, you can mentally command any creature you made with this spell if the creature is within 500 feet of you. If you control multiple creatures, you can command any or all of them at the same time, issuing the same command to each one. You decide what action the creature will take and where it will move during its next turn, or you can issue a general command, such as to guard a particular chamber or corridor. If you issue no commands, the creature only defends itself against hostile creatures. Once given an order, the creature continues to follow it until its task is complete. An animated object is a construct with AC, hit points, attacks, strength, and dexterity determined by its size. Its constitution is 10, and its intelligence and wisdom are 3, and its charisma is 1. Its speed is 30 feet. If the object lacks legs or other appendages it can use for locomotion, it instead has a flying speed of 30 feet and can hover. If the object is securely attached to a surface or a larger object, such as a chain bolted to a wall, its speed is zero. It has blind sight with a radius of 30 feet and is blind beyond that distance. When the animated object drops to zero hit points, it reverts to its original object form and any remaining damage carries over to its original object form. If you command an object to attack, it can make a single melee attack against a creature within 5 feet of it. It makes a slam attack with an attack bonus and bludgeoning damage determined by its size. The DM might rule that a specific object inflicts slashing or piercing damage based on its form. 
At higher levels, if you cast this spell using a spell slot of 6th level or higher, you can animate two additional objects for each slot level above 5th. And to go with this spell, if you look in your player's handbook on page 213, there is a little bit of a table here that tells you the statistics such as the hit points, the AC, the attack, and the strength in the decks determined by its size. So it's a super simple reference. We just didn't want to break that down right here. But it definitely seems like a really cool and versatile spell. What do you guys think? Definitely. It is the transmutation version of Animate Dead. But I think this one is even more... Like, it's even more powerful. Yeah. This spell makes me so happy inside. Partially because with my character in our game, I don't know if Kirsten knows this or I don't know if Matt remembers, but I picked this spell and I really wanted to use it. And my goal was to, like, use the tiny objects. That way you could have, you know, the most objects that you can possibly have and so what i was thinking was like just getting a bunch of forks and possibly like knives and stuff <laughs> like silverware and just using that as my tiny little army <laughs> yeah he wants to throw like five forks and five knives <laughs> and and i personally the the knives would fly because that's they don't have legs but the forks would have little legs and they would be running towards things. Oh my gosh. And then they'd have little arms they could stab people with. It, yeah. It is the craziest thing. Yeah. And also imagine having to have all of those minis on a table and you're adding 10 more things to the combat initiative. Oh man. Yeah. It's madness. Yeah. I mean they all act they all act on their turn. It I mean I think that's a game changer thing like you can use it to like overwhelm one enemy and kind of change the tide of a fight. I think we can all think of like something from pop culture or some reference like that. What is uh y'all's reference that you can think of for this spell? The Wizard's Apprentice from Fantasia, right? It's Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a classic. Where he's like doing it and all the like brooms and the mops and stuff come alive, that sort of thing. And then floods the castle. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, you see this in movies like Practical Magic, any kind of where there are, a person is magical. Like in Harry Potter, when Harry Potter first goes to the Weasley's house, the, the pan is washing itself in the sink. The scarves are knitting itself. Like, this is such a, I know it's a high level spell and there's a lot of combat and like they have AC and they have hit points and how, like, what their uh, plus to hit is and how much damage they deal. But at the same time, there's no reason why a wizard wouldn't use this to, like, have these little miniature constructs do things for them. Simple tasks. Yeah. I think that's what most people want out of magic, like whether it be spells or the force or whatever they want. They just want things to be able to do things for them. Like that's the basic thing that people want out of magic just because we're all super lazy. <laughs> Make life easier for us. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's why you have prestidigitation. You never have to do laundry again. You never have to worry about adding spices to your food. You know, you can make your fart smell go away. <laughs> Or you can make it smell like farts around people you don't like. True. That has happened more than once in our campaign. Yes, we were talking about Thaymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mind totally went uh, with Beauty and the Beast on this. That's exactly where my brain went to. 
Yeah, like, I don't know why, but specifically the wardrobe from Booty and the Beast popped up, and I'm like, oh my god, I want that to happen, like. (laughs) I would argue that, like, what happens in Beauty and the Beast is slightly different, like, it's definitely still transmutation, but it's, like, people are literally being turned into objects, but if you ignore, like, the main characters and just focus on, like, the faceless silverware and dishes in the background, it totally looks like anime objects, like, 100%. Right. I actually found the history of this spell. I know that we we usually save that for one of the last things we say before we go right to the outro, but I found it very fascinating. The fourth edition is the only edition that doesn't have this spell, but it's been in first edition and only clerics had access to it, and it was part of the School of Alteration. But in third edition, it was part of the Chaos Domain, and that's when it also became part of the School of Transmutation. But I like the idea of Chaos being its own domain. And I really hope they bring it back to this edition. I absolutely love that. Can you imagine, like, if somebody walked up to you and was like, hey, what kind of cleric are you? And you'd just be like, I'm a chaos cleric. And then, like, hair flip, walk away. Super cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I like the fact that it's part- there was a chaos domain. Um, and, and also how we feel about the classes that get it. Bards, sorcerers, and wizards. I think those all fit fairly well. I mean, especially sorcerers and bards. Like, bards, this is right up their alley. Like, I could see them using this to, like, prank somebody, again, as most bard spells are. And sorcerers, I think it fits pretty well. I think, like, wizards, it's almost more for just to say, because, like, sorcerer's apprentice style, like, why wouldn't a a wizard, you know, with a cool pointy hat get this? Yeah. Definitely. Also, forge clerics have access to this spell through their expanded uh, spell list. Interesting. And I was like, that... Makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. I think there's some interesting strategies because, like, if you look at this, I mean, these spells. Granted, it's limited, but these uh, these objects that you cast this on, it has blind sight, which is like something that not a lot of people. And it makes sense. Like, why would you limit like a fork? Why Why would you say a fork couldn't see an invisible person when it could technically see? A normal person like a lot of that doesn't make sense but that could be really like a really interesting way to get around if you're fighting somebody who's invisible i mean you could just cast this on it and just be like hey attack whatever it is that you see and then they could just go fight as long as it's within 30 feet obviously like that's you know pretty limited but if you're in an enclosed room that's like a really interesting get around yeah yeah i'm not gonna lie the first thing i thought when i saw the chart was oh you can animate a statue like a huge statue but not like a a gargantuan statue but definitely a huge statue and so like you could and that counts like so it's 10 it's 10 objects and size is how they determine the object so a huge object takes up eight of those so you could do you could do one huge object and one medium object because you'd have two left over so basically a statue that's like the size of david or something like that something that's like eight nine feet tall maybe 10 feet tall And then you could do a statue that's the same size as you. Yeah, that'd be really awesome. I would say that if I was in the middle of a battle and I saw that coming at me, I would be intimidated. I mean, this is basically what um, Professor McGonagall does. Like that incantation, she says, is a a souped up version of animate. I mean, it's like a level nine animate objects. Right. I still like the idea of sticking towards the tiny size objects because even though they have low hp which they have 20 hp but they have an 18 ac so they're gonna be pretty hard to hit and more than likely you know what i'm saying i'm thinking like they'll last a little bit longer 
but that's just my that's just my strategy i don't know what do y'all think i think they did a pretty good job balancing the table because like you do have your lesser ap but they are harder to hit whereas your huge ones they are gonna last a little bit longer maybe because hit points wise but they're a lot easier to hit because they're so huge so it gives you like one isn't necessarily better than the other just by looking at it. Like, it really just depends on how you want to use them. Like, it, I, I think they did a good job on that. Yeah. Also, the tiny, cre- uh, tiny like, it, like a knife, it has a plus 8 to hit, and it deals 1d4 plus 4 damage. That's pretty good. But the huge creature has plus 8 to hit as well, but it deals 2d12 plus 4. So I like that. I definitely think that if you, oh, that's what I was saying. If you have, if you're one of the four classes that have access to it in one subclass, actually, technically, but whatever. If you have access to the spell, if it doesn't fit your campaign, that's one thing, but I definitely think you should take it just for some fun shenanigans. I think, especially if you know that you're about to go into like a dungeon crawl style encounter inside of like a castle or something like that, where you know there's going to be maybe like, you know, silverware or suits of armor or something like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. Definitely. Also, as a bard, you could animate the silverware and make it dance. So you could just recreate Beauty and the Beast yourself. You could. You really could. I mean, there's no reason why Samir won't learn this spell. Oh, that would be fun to... I'm giving you ideas. I shouldn't be saying this, but you could use that like... As a bard, you could use it like if you're performing in a tavern or something like that. You could be like, and now I'm going to make the mugs dance with me. And really amp up your performance. (laughs) Yeah, you you totally do that. And I mean, also imagine you're in a situation, but you are the character who has access to the spell, like a bard. And uh, I don't know. Your companions have been disarmed, and so but you're in a tavern, and so like there's knives and forks and things lying around. So you animate all ten, at least ten of them, and suddenly you have an army uh, that saves the day because your party has been disarmed. I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I think this the spell it has it just has, has fun written all over it. Except for in combat, as a DM, this seems like a nightmare. Yeah. I would not want to deal with this. Especially adding 10 of anything, like as far as creatures that can attack and stuff, it's going to slow down combat a lot. The one way I would allow it if they wanted 10 items is you roll once, and if you don't hit, you don't hit. If you And that's it, because they're going to all go at once, because you issue a command to them all at once. So like attack that thing or defend this spot. Don't let anything through this spot kind of thing. And then that's that. I mean, you could definitely use it as an escape spell, I think. Yeah, I would I would see that that would be pretty useful that way. I think you could use it, you know, to make a hasty retreat or something. Like, there's definitely a lot of versatility to it. Plus, like, you can, it's like up to 120 feet, which is pretty good for like a, you know, a non-attack spell. So you could like hold it for quite some time as long as you're concentrating. Okay, here's a question. Say a, a wizard or sorcerer or any, any of the classes that have access to spell, they don't have animate dead for whatever reason. Would you allow them to animate bones? Like, it doesn't become a skeleton. It would become a medium, like a medium object, basically, if you look at the chart. I would allow them to do it like individual bones if they were like scattered about or like the skeleton was there. But I wouldn't allow them to form together. I would make them like act as individual ones. I don't think that I would allow it to work together like that. Yeah, I think that's fair because one, uh, you have more than 10 bones in like the human body. 
So, you know what I'm saying? So, right there, you're already kind of pushing it, this spell past its, way past its limits. And so, like, as if I was the player and you ruled that as to be the case, I, I would be okay with that, you know? But you still can use the bones as, like, maybe small or tiny objects or whatever, you know, to, you know, use this as intended. Yeah, and I would I would hope that it would already be a skeleton. I don't know if I would allow, like, this is going to be really gross, but I don't think I would allow, like, bones to just jut out of a corpse that still has flesh on it and start attacking. Like, I think it would have to already be, like, mostly a skeleton or already on the ground or something like that. Okay, so, like, ten bones could come off and suddenly fly around the room. Yeah, something like that, but I, I would allow that. Like, that's far enough away from the dead but i think that if you did anything personally i think if you did anything different it'd be too close to animate dead well we've officially found a way to recreate beauty and the beast thanks for listening to this episode of arcane explained you can follow us at arcane explained on twitter and you can follow me at casting cantrips you can email us your questions, comments, and suggestions to arcaneexplained at gmail.com. And you can follow me at Kirsten Geddes. That's K-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-E-D-D-E-S. We have a website where you can go see our show notes and get more information. That's arcaneexplained.wordpress.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash arcaneexplained. Follow us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash arcane underscore explained. We also have a Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash arcane explained, a Tumblr, arcaneexplained.tumblr.com. And of course, we appreciate any feedback and reviews you guys give us. We love that on iTunes, especially because that's where our biggest uh, market is and it helps us get the word out. But any platform that you listen to that allows for reviews and ratings, we really appreciate it. We don't pay at all to advertise the show, so you guys' word of mouth is what's getting the show out there. And also feel free to drop by on our Twitter or Facebook and let us know what objects you would animate with this spell. Thank you guys so much for listening. The next time you cast animate objects, you'll be casting with confidence. Bye! Bye. Also, if you made it all the way to the end of the episode, thank you so much. Uh, to celebrate getting past 10 episodes, we're going to be giving away a set of dice, because we know you D&D players love your dice. Uh, the rules for you to enter the giveaway are super simple. All you have to do is one of the following. Like our Facebook page and post on our wall or comment, follow and tweet at us, or leave a review on iTunes. In those posts, you have to, one, tell us what your favorite spell is, and two, use the hashtag giveaway as like a secret wink that we know that what you're after is the dice. Then on July 1st, we will draw a name, and the winner will receive a set of dice from Chessex. This giveaway will be open to all, so don't worry if you aren't from the US. Thanks again for listening, and happy casting! This is looking good. Seems like it. I haven't found any that are worthy, so. Welcome to Arcane Explain. Uh, okay, so we're not, we're just edit all that out. That's some like Black Butler stuff right there. And we're going to edit out this awkward pause.
Google A. Google A. Senior Google. The Fantasia. The, the, the Fantasia. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What do you mean the wardrobe doesn't talk? Safety first! Safety first! I'm a clayot. I totally messed that up. That was going to be so cool. Oh, my brain went blank. blank. Uh. Don't, don't trust us to do math here at Arcane Explained. Matthew, you just invented magical drones. I hope you know that. Shit <laughs> it! Yeah! <laughs> it's just gonna, it's just gonna be machete. <laughs> I forgot to hit stop.